Hello and welcome back to the TTP, Tatani Talks Parsha, the Shira, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. This week we are joined by my co-host, the baby. She's not getting enough sleep in the nap as usual. But we're looking at the Parsha of Miketz, which always falls out on the week of Hanukkah. And the question is, what is the connection between Miketz and Hanukkah? We look at the word Miketz, it means in between. It means after a couple of times or in the middle of a couple of things at the end. After two years, Yosef is sitting languishing in prison for a crime he didn't commit. The the warden of the drinks finally remembers him when Paro is having disturbing dreams and has no interpreter. So Yosef is finally remembered at the end. I wonder if the connection to Hanukkah can be that we're sitting here in Gullus, we're sitting here waiting for Mashiach. The lights come at the end of the year, right before the, the non-Jewish new, new Year starts, really smack in the middle of our year for the Jewish year. It's the end. It feels dark. It feels dreary. And the Hanukkah lights come to tell us to be positive, to be brave, to think about those wonderful lights that could bring light to those around us. Yosef must have felt completely abandoned. He must have felt like all hope was lost. He was the only Jew in the entire country, wrongfully accused. It's so unfair. It's so not right. My whole family hates me. And the whole world hates me. I wonder if Hashem hates me too. But we know that Yosef kept Hashem in his lips and Hashem in his hearts, in his heart, and with all of his actions, and he gained favor wherever he went. By the Pasik tells us that there was a lot of chain when he looked at Yosef, and he was able to stand up to Potiphar's wife. He was able to stand up to the people around him, even sitting and languishing in prison, a deep, dark place, not like the prisons of nowadays, which has walls and, and, and heat and air conditioning. Sometimes they give amenities and whatnot. Obviously, it's not a good place to be, but nowhere near as difficult as it probably was way back then, thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, in a dungeon, literally a pit, probably no windows, probably dank conditions, probably musty and moldy, probably no ventilation of any kind, no heat or air conditioning, of course, of any kind, no electricity, no running plumbing or anything like that, really dark, deep, dark conditions, and yet Yosef felt that the end is coming, I will put my faith in Hashem, I will put my trust in Hashem, and of course Hashem comes to his deliverance. He is brought before Paro, and of course he gives a dazzling interpretation of the dreams, and he was brought to the Viceroy, he's made a Viceroy, and then of course the brothers come down, he subjects him to all those tests until eventually in Vayigash, he can reveal himself, and all is well that ends well, I guess, and then Yaakov of course comes down, they have a very emotional reunion. But we think about Miketz, and they talk about the idea how the the Hanukkah is Chaf Kislev, and where is Eremes to Hanukkah in the Torah? There's an interesting interpretation that a rabbi made, Mira Feinstein points out, at the end of every parsha in in the Torah, especially in Rabbi Art School, in the Art School interpretation of the Chumash, there's a very interesting explanation, usually by Rabbi David Feinstein, that gives little allusions to the Torah, that gives little allusions to things that we see in the parsha. And talks about how there's 2,025 words in Miketz, I believe, or there's 2,000, and then there's 25 where it begins, where Hanukkah begins. There is a remez that connects Miketz to Hanukkah. And you think about the idea how Miketz shows that Yosef is alone in Gullus. How often do we feel that we, as the Jewish people, and sometimes we, in our families and in our societies and in our surroundings, sometimes we feel alone too. Miketz at the end, it feels like the end. It feels dark. It feels dreary. It feels difficult. It feels hard to fathom how we could go about these things and how we could think about these things. 
things and how we could go and lift ourselves up every day. We need to learn from no one else from Yosef. Yosef Hatzadik. Not many people are called Hatzadik as part of their name. I mean, some people have Hakadosh. Some people have different elements to their names, but people don't get the appellation and the name Hatzadik lightly or easily. Yosef had a lot of tests in his life. He was separated from his father for 22 years, just like Yaakov was separated from Yitzchak for 22 years. We look at Yosef and we see that he is able to be a paradigm of who we should look at. And that's why we bless our children like none other than his own two children, Menashe and Ephraim. Some say, the commentators say, that they were the first two brothers to actually get along. When you see that there's... um, Yitzhak and Yishmael, you see there's a Yaakov and an Esav, you see there's a, the brothers versus Yosef. Finally, and of course Cain and Hevel, terrible story. Finally, we see a Menashe and Ephraim, and they're also the paradigms of how to be raised in Gauls, how to be raised outside of a Jewish atmosphere, outside of a Jewish place, a Jewish country. They are the people to be able to raise children in a family, in a society where the only two and the only Jewish family in the entire country is remarkable and a very strong feat. Easily, he could have been falling to the ideals of Asnas. You know, Asnas was Potiphar's daughter, and he was vindicated when he was given the girl as a as a as a wife. People say that she was the only one that proclaimed his innocence that day when the wife charged him, and she was the one that knew his innocence, and she was the one worthy of marrying him because of that, and they say that either she was Jewish because she was uh, adopted by Potiphar because he couldn't have kids, or she converted. Either way, Yosef marries Asnas and has Manash and Ephraim, but they take the ideals of Yosef, they don't take the ideals of Asnas, and he raises them to be good menshachat kids and to have good midos, and they're doing his bidding, and they're involved in slaughtering animals when the brothers come and feast with Yosef. Very fascinating thing. So to have those children, when all seems like it's dark and dreary when it seems like it's the end, Mikates, it seems like there's darkness. We look at Yosef, we see his story, how he was sitting and languishing in prison, languishing in dungeon. Sometimes we can feel like we're languishing in Gullis and we're waiting for Mashiach. When is it coming? When is it coming? Well, we should light the candles on Hanukkah to remind us, and when we light the candles on Shabbos and Yom Tov, that one candle can banish the darkness like the very famous Israeli hip-hop song, Banu Choshech Legaresh. Banu Choshech Legaresh. You take one candle, you could banish the darkness. And Hanukkah teaches us, Mikes could teach us when we look at Yosef, that we are the, have the ability, even in the dark times, even in the dreary times, we have the ability to banish the darkness. We have the ability to see where we're going and we're, see where we could go forward from where we have been. And we could try to make sure that in Gullus, in our surroundings, that we could follow the example of Yosef and his wife and Menashe and Ephraim, that we could look at the Gullus around us and we could light the lights and we could make sure to bring the spirituality, to bring the light even, even when all seems lost, even when all seems difficult and it all seems dark, we can bring the light. Hanukkah teaches us as, as Nikit comes and we see those things coming to us. Maybe we be zochet to only see light and to only see goodness in this world now and always. I may have asked from Shana, we should only know from good things now and always. This has been the TTP, Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk the Parsha of the Week here on the TTP.